Hey guys, what's going on? It's another episode of No Holding Back where we get into the news and notes of the previous week in sports. I know it's been a while since we've gotten on to uh, record another episode. I'm sorry for all the uh, delay, but it was great because we had a lot of people ended up reaching out and making sure that we ended up getting the topic. So I am flying stag today. You know, Ryan ended up going putzing around somewhere. So I'm going to give it to you the first solo appearance here on No Holding Back. Um, a couple of things that we really wanted to go through just based on everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, I guess. One of the biggest news in college football is Tua Televayoa ended up uh, having surgery on his hip yesterday, uh, which is something that we're going to talk about and how it affects the NFL draft moving forward. Uh, everyone knows what's going on with the Astros and their cheating scandal in 2017. The MLB ended up coming out today saying that there were going to be a lot of a lot more investigations and a lot more evidence that is going to be coming forward. So something that we're going to keep an eye on, especially as a Yankees fan, it ends up hurting because we ended up losing to them in the ALCS in Game 7. So it kind of hits home for me. Then we're going to recap the NFL. I'm not going to do picks this week because I can't really shit on Ryan because he's no longer on the other side of me this week giving those, those, those sorry bets and those picks. But we're going to get into the NFL and kind of what was really going on with the whole Kaepernick situation from a point of view from the team, which I'm going to break down, and then also kind of from you know everybody else's kind of thousand-foot view and kind of want to set the record straight from, from our opinion. And then lastly, <laughs> I had a bunch of people end up commenting to me and hitting me up and, and DMing me regarding, you know, LeBron James' great season right now and everything that's going on. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. So I'm going to get into why I think, you know, the NBA season still a little early. And the only thing that we really need to care about in LeBron is what kind of hair he's wearing on that head. So let's kind of get into it. So first thing, we ended up getting hit up about how Tua's injury was going to really affect the NFL draft and, and the landscape of college football moving forward. I mean, it's really tough. I mean, he's been battling injuries all week. I know uh, all year, excuse me. I know a lot of high-level Italian evaluators that um, I've spoken to, as well as kind of watched uh, Alabama on the field. He was a num- he was definitely going to be the number one overall pick. Um, leadership qualities, arm strength, accuracy. Uh, the only downside to to him really was whether he was going to be able to stay healthy. At that time, it was the only the ankle injury. Now he ends up dislocating his hip. A lot of people saying, you know, there were reports saying, oh, it's going to be, you know, a three-month recovery, and then he's going to be able to end up throwing at spring. From what I've heard and what I've been told is that this, the surgery can go either way. I mean, it's either he's never going to play football again because the injury is similar to what Bo Jackson had. Granted, you know, medicine has come and surgery has come a long way since Bo Jackson had played, but it's a similar type of injury. On the other side of things, it, it could be that two-month you know recovery and workout and then ended up him throwing in the spring. But regardless, I think once the NFL comes knocking, which he is going to end up entering the NFL draft because he does have an insurance policy, uh, I don't think he is going to be you know atop the draft board. And I know the Miami Dolphins were really keen on bringing him in. That that was the guy that they were, you know, tanking for, so to speak, tank for Tua. But now it really just becomes a, 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 a one-person race, in my opinion, especially if the Bengals end up getting the number one overall pick because they look sorry, so sorry. 
and Ryan Finley is obviously not the answer at quarterback over there, so they're really going to start over. Um, and I think, you know, it just makes sense. Joe Burrow is having a meteoric rise this season. Um, ended up going to Ohio State at first, ended up transferring to LSU. Ohio, boy, it, it just makes all the sense in the world. But when it comes to kind of what's going to happen with the quarterbacks going into this NFL draft, it is very, very interesting. And one name I'm going to throw out there is Jake Fromm. Because I think the Tua injury affects Jake Fromm in a lot of ways because not a lot of NFL talent evaluators are very keen on you know him as a, as a thrower of the football. He does have all the physical traits, but he can't really get the ball down the field. But some people that I've spoken to had said that, you know what, in this you know horizontal passing game that the NFL is seeing, you don't really need to push the ball down the field. And, and you see that in some of the offenses that um, were on display last Sunday and is also um, one of the reasons why, you know, Jared Goff ended up playing really well last year and ended up struggling this year. You see their offensive tendencies have changed, especially based off of the offensive line play and the injury that it, the injuries that are kind of, you know, hindering Todd Gurley so I think when it comes to the quarterbacks I think Jake Fromm ends up moving up the board from an NFL draft perspective um, I think Tua you know really ends up probably sliding um, to the end of the first round maybe into the second round um, obviously he's not going to be able to perform at the Alabama Pro Day he's not going to be able to uh, perform at the Combine so it's going to be very interesting to see and you know what there are a lot of teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack that may want to take a chance on Tua um, the first thing that comes to mind and it kind of sucks drafting a, a an injured quarterback to a team that's been plagued by injuries all year but Based on the performance of Philip Rivers last night, I do not think that Philip Rivers has much left in the tank. Um, I think it would be great to see maybe Tua over there. It would be great for him and his family, you know, obviously from him being a, a Hawaiian native, uh, being on the West Coast, California would be the great situation for both the Chargers as well as, you know, Tua himself. So I think teams like that that have aging quarterbacks, you know, you look at the Saints, they're probably going to be drafting later on in the first round. Uh, those are the teams that are really going to possibly hit lightning in a bottle and take advantage of uh, Tua's injury. I mean, we've seen this before with, with top flight prospects, you know, most notably J Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame, who ended up having a gruesome injury in, in the bowl game in his last game at Notre Dame ends up falling into the second round. Cowboys at the time were able to, make, to take advantage of a situation, especially since the team was pretty healthy at that time. And then look, you know, three years later, he ends up signing a lucrative contract, which is all, you know, props to him and the Cowboys for doing the right thing. You know, not something that I usually say on this show. But it is something to just, you know, keep in mind and watch moving into the NFL draft. And, and especially, especially, Especially with the quarterbacks being so top-heavy in this draft, a lot of teams are going to reach in the top five. It also shakes up the top five and, and then also the top ten. A lot of teams are kind of in the middle of the pack right now that need to be able to separate themselves. And we're going to see that over the next probably three to four weeks of where the draft board is going to line. But, uh, you know, we, here at No Holding Back, you know, we wish to, uh, you know, uh, a speedy recovery. You know, we don't like seeing great players uh, injured. You know, college football is going to really hurt uh, based on that. And, uh, you know, we, we wish him all the best. And then moving to, you know, 
something that uh, actually is very relevant since Tua ended up having his surgery yesterday in Houston. A nice little pivot here to the Houston Astros. What is going on? Now, I know that I may be a little bit late to the party, or I thought I was, uh, but it seems like more and more stories end up coming out about this team and what they were end up doing uh, for the 2017 season. I had guys sending me videos left and right on the first game of the season in 2017 in April where they were doing... Uh, so. Let me just take a step back. So anybody that doesn't know who maybe has been living under a rock and hasn't been really paying attention to any of the sports world, the Houston Astros have been accused, uh, based on an article in The Atlantic, of uh, stealing signs. Now, your first thing is like, John, why the fuck are you starting this whole, oh, you know, steal signs, it's a gamemanship thing. Yes, I agree 100%. But when you bring technology into the fold and you have cameras set up in center field that are relaying video to the dugout between the clubhouse and the dugout, that's an that's a whole, you know, level that, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way. I know stealing signs where you have guys on first base or I mean on second base, excuse me, that are looking into the catcher to try and steal signs. That that is gamesmanship. You know, that's what's something that you're supposed to do. Especially, you know, trying to figure out you know what's coming and trying to see the pitch as early as possible but when it comes to a camera being zoomed in on on <laughs> on uh, a pitcher's basically uh, catcher's crotch uh with their finger fingernails painted which i don't know why they finger just put some tape on i don't understand the finger painting but i digress so what ended up happening was in the first game i ended up getting a clip where they were playing against felix hernandez in 2017 and you heard the bangs on every breaking ball that was thrown in that game now, people say, oh, well, how will they be able to hear the bangs? You know, Minute Maid Park ends up getting really loud. I says, well, Minute Maid Park gets up, gets pretty loud when it comes to, you know, probably the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, you know, when, when the game is on the line, especially if it's close. But the Astros were, were taking advantage of these signals early on in games, as I just mentioned with Felix Hernandez, in the first inning of the first game in 2017. It's a little ridiculous. Now, uh, I don't know a couple of people that follow Jam Boy on, on Twitter who ends up posting uh, great videos, um, <laughs> especially with this issue that's going on with the Astros about the banging and, and what they were doing um, in the dugout, the trash cans. Uh, like I, it, it was taking it to another level. Now picture, pictures are ended up surfing, surfacing where... You had Alex uh, Cora and Carlos Beltran at the time, like setting up the cameras and monitors between the dugout and the clubhouse. You had uh, Alex Carrera, Altuve, Bregman, all those guys walking past the monitors um, between the dugout and uh, the clubhouse. Then there were images that ended up leaking today i believe it was let me just check on this yes today where a lot of conspiracy theories where <laughs> they were saying that a lot of the uh, some of the players most uh, most notably i believe it was altuve no it was carrera excuse me he ended up having some sort of like wired uh, finger tape 
on the end of his fingers where people were like, oh, were they were they signaling him where he was able to – he didn't even have to hear the bangs. They were signaling um, – you know, I'm all about, you know, getting involved in, in situations like this because, you know, I think it really brings attention to some of the other issues that are going on in baseball besides the slow play and the juice balls and, and all of that nonsense that we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks. But I think it's just fascinating. I really do. And – the only good thing besides the fact that the Astros basically cheated in 2017 is that now there's a story that MLB and ESPN and all Fox Sports and all these other bullshit programs get to hang their hat on because nobody talks about baseball between now and then spring training. So this is going to be the talk of the MLB offseason because you know MLB free agency is going to be slow. You know it's going to take a really long time for the big domino free agents to fall. We're going to do the same dance that we did last year. And at least we have something to keep baseball relevant. But at the same time, it's kind of a little bit of a black eye, especially from an organization who was kind of praised for doing it the right way, building up their farm system, especially from when moving from the National League to the American League. Then you have, you know, sexual harassment allegations. You have um, analytical uh, fines being levied down. And then now you have this. So kind of really rough uh, to kind of see them go through this. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. More evidence is going to come out. And, you know, know, (laughs) I don't really know what to say. I mean, when you bring technology into it, it's cheating. If you're trying to... If you're trying to uh, steal signs from second base, it, it's gamesmanship. That's my line on it. I know, if you have any other differences or you, you aren't in agreement with me, just make sure you hit us up on Twitter and, and, and Instagram and kind of drop a comment below. Uh, but, you know, it tough, very tough, tough, tough in Houston. But uh, another reason why it's pretty tough in Houston. So. We had, what did we have on Sunday? We had the Houston Texans against the Baltimore Ravens where everyone was dubbing it, you know, Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson. Well, (laughs) uh, the Ravens look like the best team in football right now. And uh, I know the two young quarterbacks, you know, they have they bring that swagger or whatever. We ended up having Lamar and, and, and Patrick Mahomes earlier in the season, which lived up to the hype. And then we thought that this was going to do the same thing. And Lamar Jackson just basically walked on the field and mollywhopped the Houston Texans all over the place. Like, I I don't know. I don't know what really is there to say. The, the, the Ravens, I, I think, are the best team in the AFC. Um, do I have them favored to win the Super Bowl? As you all know, I don't. Because until somebody beats Tom Brady and the Patriots, that is only that is the team that I will always pick to come out of the AFC. Now I know you're saying, John, oh, well, you know, the Ravens ended up putting a beating on the Patriots during the regular season. Okay, fine. I get that. But you know what? Look at every other team that ended up that was favored to win the Super Bowl in the AFC that wasn't the Patriots, that the Patriots ended up losing to in the regular season. Guess what Bill Belichick and the Patriots ended up doing in the playoffs? Yeah. I know what you're thinking. They ended up beating the living snot out of them. Especially, especially if the Patriots end up getting home field advantage. Now, the schedule isn't so tough for the Patriots. And, and I probably want to say the same thing for the for the Ravens too. 
and the Ravens owe the tiebreaker over the Patriots based on the you know the loss that they ended up handing uh, the Patriots a couple weeks back. So if the Patriots ended up taking a misstep, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Patriots have to travel for at least the um, AFC Championship game because we know they're going to get that far. I am pretty surprised also by the performance of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know a lot of people had said to me um, during their fantasy drafts based on the points that the quarterbacks were getting. I know um, uh, one listener ended up saying, oh, I'm getting I'm getting six points per, per touchdown pass. I'm like, all right, great. If you're getting six points per touchdown pass in the end of the first round, pick Patrick Mahomes. Why wouldn't you? He set the record rookie uh he was basically a rookie last year but you know he set ended up setting the record for passing yards um ended up setting the record for touchdowns at 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 such a young age not NFL history I'm just saying for his age so don't you know jump down my throat trying to fact check me on this shit but you know they haven't looked good you know they can't stop the run you know, Mahomes is—he's uh, not a hundred percent healthy. He, you know, he ended up coming back after that knee injury um, during the primetime game, but he's not healthy, and you could see it. You can see he's—he's he, he's not throwing the ball the same way. And you're like, oh well, John, there was a video of him—you know—before the game throwing seventy-yard passes. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. If, you, if you're taking a step in and you're throwing it, you don't have that type of time. You don't have that type of luxury because nobody's in front of you throwing 70-yard passes in pregame. Jamarcus Russell was throwing 70-yard passes from his knees. How did that work out for him? So, yes, he could throw the ball a country mile. Tyreek Hill goes down yesterday. Who's going to step up? Damian Williams goes down yesterday. You don't. It was finally we ended up seeing the connection that we all were seeing last year between Mahomes and Kelsey. Finally. But again, do I think that they're the best team in the AFC? Absolutely not. Are they top five? Hmm. Maybe. But we think that this is the same team that some football experts, quote unquote, were saying we're going to go undefeated. Come on place they may not even hit their over under for wins this season i don't know it's they need to they need to do something i thought they were going to make a splash of the trade deadline they decided to wait that out all i know is if you are playing the chiefs defense and you have a running back or a wide receiver that is primarily a running back that's going up the chiefs defensive fantasy start them Start him. Look at what Austin... I mean, granted, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon are, are, are good backs. But they they can't they can't match up a screen pass. They can't stop the run inside or outside. And I don't even think Kansas City ended up winning that game last night. I think Phillip Rivers ended up losing it. Which is why I think they need to draft a quarterback. Going back to what we were talking about, Tua, in the NFL draft. So, you know, these next couple of weeks for the Chiefs, that's my actually surprise for the year. I do have to say. 
And then what is going on with the Falcons? That looks like the team that we thought was going to show up this season. That was the offense that we all knew that they were going to be able to play with. Devontae Freeman, Matt Ryan. Yes, the offensive line's a little shaky, but you have Julio. They got rid of Sanu, but you have Calvin Ridley. That that offense should be humming, and it's not until these last two weeks. So whatever they did, make sure they keep it up. And then my other team in the NFC who didn't end up playing yesterday or on uh, yesterday or Sunday, I think is something that we need to really keep an eye on are the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think they are the second best team in the NFC uh, behind the uh, Seahawks. I know you're saying, oh, what about the 49ers? You know, they're 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 nine and one, blah, blah, blah. I said, please. OK, let's relax on the 49ers. They almost lost the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. And it's really starting to show that, you know, they probably aren't as good as we thought they were because they did have a soft schedule. Now, I know. I get it. Can't control who you play. You match up with who you're scheduled to play. You take care of business. I get it. All power to you. And people are saying, oh, well, they won by 10. What are you talking about? They didn't win by 10. That was actually the worst gambling break of the of the probably the century okay they ended up returning a fumble for a touchdown at the end so let's let's all pump the brakes on the 10 point beat all right we all know where that happened so the green bay packers are i think the second best team in the nfc they didn't play i like what matt lafleur and aaron Rodgers. i like that rapport um and i like how they're running the ball with with Jones and, and, and Williams. I really do. I know everyone's saying it's a passing league and you have Aaron Rodgers back there slinging it, but at the end of the day, it's all about clock management. It's all about being able to convert on third down and set yourself up for third down. And and the Green Bay Packers do that better than anybody in the league right now. And they just ended up getting flexed to the Sunday night game. And I believe it's against the Niners. So we're really going to see how good that offense is in Green Bay. And then we're really going to see how good that defense is. So that's going to be one hell of a game. Sorry, Eagles fans. You ended up getting flexed out. But as a fan, you really don't want to wait till 830 for your game, especially if you live on the East Coast. So um, those are kind of really my hot takes for, uh, you know, from a team perspective. I think from a individual awards perspective, I think we need to first talk about what we think our midseason MVP is. Uh, from an MVP standpoint, I have to go with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think he does a lot less, uh, does a lot more with a lot less, but it's very close. I think Lamar Jackson is right there. But time and time again, Russell Wilson, and it's a shame that Ryan is not here because he knows I love me some Russell Wilson. And he's probably going to win the the MVP this year. That's the one accolade that he doesn't have 
unfortunately, if you win the MVP in the regular season, chances are you're not winning the Super Bowl. So, if I'm Lamar Jackson and I'm superstitious, you could take that to the bank. Um, offensive player of the year, it's usually the same as, as the MVP. Uh, I think you can make a case for Christian McCaffrey. Um, but you know what? Let me let me stop right there and, 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 and kind of rewind a little bit. You watch TV, okay, and you hear everybody on the radio saying, oh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, nobody's done this um, ever in football. You know, he's this special type of back, blah, 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 blah. Now, that's not true, okay? There was a running back, okay, who was in Pittsburgh, who was doing all of this. His name is Le'Veon Bell. Okay. When he was in Pittsburgh and he was on the field, Le'Veon Bell was doing everything Christian McCaffrey was doing, but at a higher clip and winning more games. Okay. So, yeah. Is it is it a little bit of, of, you know, what have you done for me lately type of feel that we're, that we're getting? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Le'Veon Bell's behind a really shitty offensive line and a, and a shitty head coach. But let's not forget who is probably the person who is who kind of led the torch to kind of keeping this whole running backs do still matter type of type of fight. When a lot of people don't think they do. So if I needed to make a different case. For offensive player of the year, it's either going to be uh, Lamar Jackson or uh, Christian McCaffrey. But I also really want to shoot a little hot take out there, and on the defensive side of the ball. Now I know people are going to say, "Oh, this is a hometown pick. This is what you spoke. This is what you would say if you're a Jets fan." No. No. Jamal Adams, right now has been playing better than any defensive player in football. As a safety, okay, as a safety, he has six sacks. He picked up three of them yesterday against the Redskins. Now, mind you, the Redskins probably, I haven't watched the Bengals, but the Redskins could probably be one of the worst teams in football. He had three sacks. And then the week before, ended up having two sacks with a strip fumble for a touchdown. He has more sacks than Aaron Donald this year. He has more sacks than Jadavion Clowney this year. Now, what does this say about the Jets and them trying to trade Jamal Adams at the middle of the season? Smart move. Because if you do decide you want to keep him, you have a great player. And if you decide to trade him, your asking price just went up. Especially if he wins the defensive player of the year, which I th- which I am starting the movement for. He has more sacks than Olivier Vernon, Davion Clowney, Sue, Bennett, Cleveland Farrell, Gerald McCoy. Beasley, Wake, and Fletcher Cox. And if you watch the Jets, 
which I unfortunately have to do on a week-to-week basis. Jamal Adams has played outside linebacker. He has played strong safety. He has played cornerback. And you know what? (laughs) He's all over the field. And a lot of people said, oh, Greg Williams ended up removing Jabril Peppers when he was in Cleveland. That's why he ended up sucking. No, Jabril Peppers is just a shitty football player. Greg Williams was able to scheme, uh, granted, two offensively inept teams, but you can't help who you play, has been able to unleash Jamal Adams. And I and I am sitting here banging the desk, not literally, figuratively, for him to win defensive player of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, pulling away. It's got to be Josh Jacobs. Guy is killing it for the Oakland Raiders. And the Raiders are exceeding expectations. They just need to make sure they take care of business next week when they go to MetLife and play the Jets. They have to. You can't lose games like that. Especially if you want to be considered to potentially winning the division because of how the Chiefs are playing so poorly. And if you want to be taken seriously as a, as a team that can make a deep playoff run. So... Though that, that that needs to happen. Defensive rookie of the year. Mm, it's it's a toss up. But they may be on the same team. Offensive and defensive rookie of the years may be on the same team. Just like it was for the Saints back in I believe 20, 2017, where they drafted Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore. I really do. I really think Cleveland Farrell has had a great year and Josh Jacobs is obviously having a great year. Um let me know if you agree or disagree with, with these positional awards midway through the season. Let me know. I don't. You know me. I don't give a shit. You know, I, I'm the guy that was having a fight with 20 people. The only person that said that Camp Newton was overrated and ended up, look at what happened. Guy's going to end up playing in another uniform next year. And you know what else I said that about? I said that about Mitchell Trubisky, and look how he's doing. He may get his coach fired. Come on. Listen to me sometimes. I'm actually pretty knowledgeable about what I'm talking about. Unlike some. Now, one of the things that we haven't really spoken about in recent shows when it, when it came to, you know, Colin Kaepernick versus the NFL, I think we wanted to really... Kind of see where everything was going to, you know, head, um, especially with, you know, Jay-Z coming in and doing whatever the hell he's doing. Um, But I just wanted to kind of set the record straight on on my opinions towards the matter and kind of give a little food for thought for anybody that, you know, is extremely on one side or is extremely on the other. So let me set the scene here. Okay. The NFL ends up putting together a private workout. Okay, for Colin Kaepernick to perform down Atlanta at the Atlanta Falcons facility on Saturday. From what is from what it, we all understand is that th- this tryout or this workout it was kind of a, a last minute kind of you know three four days before kind of let's get down there and do this. Okay, one. The NFL didn't have to do that for him. All right, he was giving them an opportunity. And you're going to see kind of where my thought process is when, when we're talking about this theme. So the NFL didn't have to give him the opportunity to do that. All right. 
Second thing is when they get down there, a couple of rules were specified earlier days. Now, from the Kaepernick side of things and the Kaepernick team side of things, who's going to show up for a Saturday workout? What scouts are going to show? What teams are going to show up for a Saturday workout? This is their thought process, right? Teams are traveling on Saturday. Only NFL workouts and and tryouts uh, for you to for free agents and and practice players to 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 get picked up is on Tuesdays. Tuesdays usually a day. So Kaepernick's team is saying, okay, why can't we do it the way that every other team is doing it? If you want to hold a workout, I want to hold it out on the day what everyone is doing. Tuesday, not Saturday. Fine, okay, I give you that point. I'll give you that. All right. Now, two days before this workout, the NFL says to Colin Kaepernick and their team, or actually, no, I'm sorry. It was a day before. It was, I believe it was less than 24 hours. Told their t- told the Kaepernick team, okay, you can't have media present at the, at, at the Atlanta facility. You can't. And also, you need to sign a waiver. Now, there is some controversy in regards what the written word in this waiver is. You got Stephen A. Smith being a blowhard on first take and on Twitter, talking about shit he doesn't even know about. Then you have other people on Fox Sports with, uh, you know, Shannon Sharp and and Skip Bayless. They have no idea what they're talking about. Nobody, nobody really understands the the written word of the waiver besides the Kaepernick team and the NFL team you can get on first take and sit there and say oh I have the one that's signed by Colin Kaepernick back in 2017 and I have the one that was new here I don't guy everything's interpreted differently there was a clause from what Chris Mortensen who is a very well established source you and Adam Schefter, two guys coincidentally that I happen to have a lot of respect for at ESPN, had said that the the waiver that he had to sign was much different than what he had to sign back in 2017, and they didn't want to do it. And I don't, I don't. Do I think that they should have just bite the bullet and kind of did the workout? Yeah. But there's a lot of distrust between the NFL and the Colin Kaepernick team. So that's a little tough. So then they end up moving it, you know, within, you know, 60 miles away to a high school facility and only eight teams show up. Now, the reason why I believe they, the Colin Kaepernick team wanted to have media present was because they knew that teams weren't going to show up. They knew that they're going to, they were going to have to record the workout to send out to teams because none of the teams were going to be able to make it. Now, this is the logic that the Kaepernick team has and why they're thinking that this was really just a ruse or a sham. And, and you know what? It, it, it looks bad. It, it should have never really happened. If a team wanted to sign Colin Kaepernick, and bring him in for a workout. They would have done so on a Tuesday. Now, do I think that there are some teams that could have used him? Absolutely. 
But when it comes to a team building perspective, a quarterback who's 32 years old, you know, you don't want you don't want to commit to somebody. Like let's say Colin Kaepernick ends up going on a team, okay? And he ends up starting. Now that that this is this is wishful thinking that he's going to be able to start. Now, let's say he comes in. I'm just going to use the the metrics from what um, they ended up giving like Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Josh McCown. So let's say it, uh, at the highest he's going to be one million for uh, one year, twelve million. So let's say for argument's sake, it's one year, eight million. Let's say he has a good year. They want to pay him long term. So that's three to five years, upwards of around. He'll probably get. That's probably what Teddy Bridgewater will end up getting. So it'll probably be somewhere around between twenty and twenty five million a year. Let's, for argument's sake, let's call it twenty million, so the math works. So you're committing, you're committing sixty to a hundred million dollars on a quarterback who's thirty-two years old, who hasn't played in three years, who the the, the rapport in the locker room could be a little dicey because of all the probable media attention that he's going to attract. Now, granted, if he's playing really well and he deserves immediate attention, so be it. But a lot of owners and, quite frankly, a lot of team personnel and head coaches don't want to have to do media events every single day for their quarterback that doesn't have to do for football. And that's if he's a starting quarterback. If he's a backup, imagine what he was going to be able to imagine the media attention. But rightfully so. The guy is better than a lot of quarterbacks that are playing right now, starting in the NFL. He is also a lot better than uh, probably most backups in the NFL, minus maybe Teddy Bridgewater and our man Garner Minshew. So... The question shouldn't be, oh, does he deserve to have this tryout? That, that, that's, not, that's not the answer, that, or that's not the question that you should be asking yourself. Is You take a step back and you think about, and I know it's hard to do, but you take a step back and you say, okay, regardless of the protest and what he stands for, which, I, which again, I say is admirable, and, he's, and regardless of all the nonsense that's going on outside of it, it was for social injustice and police brutality. If you think anything different then come see me, come talk to me, because you need to be educated. And Ryan is a military veteran. He knows. Are there things that you should do differently? Yeah. Was it sensitive? Yeah. But what protests are? Now, the thing that kind of ticks some people off is that Colin Kaepernick ended up getting a special opportunity from the NFL to perform on Saturday. And some people are saying he didn't take advantage of that opportunity. And people are saying, if you want a job and you're trying to find a job, an employer is not going to make it easy for you to get that job. They never will. Ever. You have to take it upon yourself to do what you need to do, regardless of the situation. So you, 
people say, you go to the Falcons, you sign the waiver, you do this, you can't take the media, you have that opportunity, but then you take a step back and you have to say, was it a false opportunity? Was it a show? Which the NFL does loves to do. I think at the end of the day, both were at fault. Both probably, one, the workout shouldn't have happened. And Colin probably shouldn't have went to the workout, even if it did. At the end of the day, do I think he should be a quarterback in the NFL? Yes. Do I think he's better than the quality that's out there? Absolutely. Guy went to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. He was in a Super Bowl. His last season in the NFL, he ended up performing pretty well, given the the, the state of the San Francisco 49ers at the time, post-Harborough. Before Shanahan. So. Think about it. He really should have been. A normal workout. But. This is just another fucking bullshit thing. Between the NFL and Colin Kaepernick. If you have the opportunity. I say you take it. If you really want to play. You take it. But know. What you're taking it. Four. Don't throw it. Don't throw the opportunity and make it like a publicity stunt, or have the reason for media pundits to say it was a publicity stunt and you fucked up. But you know what? I hope he does because he was fun to watch. He really was, and a lot of people will tell you that, especially the one who coached him, who's down in Michigan so you know that's kind of my stance on you know cap gate I guess you could say I hit you with cap gate Astros gate now let's get into something which is my personal favorite is hair gate with my man LeBron James now I had so many people hit me up on Twitter oh can you believe the meteoric rise of the Lakers can you believe what was going on with the New LeBron James since he missed the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. Guys, they're 11 and 2. 11 and 2. We're not even 20 games into the season yet. Pump the brakes. All right? If you want to focus on what LeBron James is doing, let's focus on what's going on above those eyes. His hair literally fell out of his head when his sweatband was pushed back. Patches, patches all over, and you got a you got a show called the shop where you're getting your hair cut every day. Shave it off. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. You got Anthony Davis who really has no legs to stand on when it comes to facial hair and what he's doing with the brow. Telling you that your hair is falling off. You know what it reminded me of when he was doing that? When I was out on the golf course and I took a nice fat divot. You know when you hit the ball nice and clean, right behind it, makes that nice little pure sound, the divot ends up shooting out? That's what it reminded me of. And then the next day it's all spray paint. I I don't know what the fuck's going on over there in LA. I don't know if it's the water. I don't know what is going on. But just shave your head, man. Do it. For all of us. I know you're trying to you're trying to redo Space Jam, but Michael Jordan was bald in Space Jam. 
I know you're trying to recreate one of the most iconic sports children's movies of all time, but it ain't going to work. You're trying to say you're trying to not follow in the footsteps of the goat, but you seem to be trying to replicate him in one of the most iconic sports movies or cartoon characters. So, come on now. Shave it off. Now, from an NBA standpoint, they're not even the best team in their own city. Hell, they're not the best team in their building. Let me go that step further. The Los Angeles Clippers are the best team in the West. And Paul George has played two games, I believe, and dropped 30-plus. 30-plus. And the Clippers are smart because they are going to manage Kawhi. They're going to manage Paul George. Unlike what the Lakers are going to do. Because the Lakers need to sell tickets. The Lakers need to have that showtime feel. But at the end of the day, it's not going to result in championship. Especially with LeBron James and the amount of minutes he's playing. Or he's going to play, excuse me. He's not going to be able to hold up. Oh, no, John, he's going to be able to turn it on in the off, in, when the playoffs come. Okay, fine. But remember, remember, it's a long season. I'm tired of hearing the Laker fans getting on my case about, oh, why didn't I pick them in the beginning? Because I don't think they're going to be good enough to beat the best team in the East. Or the Clippers in the West. Hell, I don't even think they're good enough to beat the Rock. Uh, the excuse me, not the Rockets, the Nuggets. Shout out to Steve O, long time listener of this show. Fucked up fan base. I don't understand. He he roots for the Denver Nuggets. He roots for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he roots for the New York Yankees. How fucked up of a fan do you can you be? Seriously. How 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 is that possible? I don't get it. I don't. No clue. But I do have to say the Nuggets look good. Hell, the Jazz look good. That West is stacked. I'm telling you, in a seven-game series, I don't think the Lakers have enough. But you know why they're relevant? Because of their history. Because of the the Bus family. Primarily the late, great Jerry Bus. Dr. Bus. So, kind of begs the question. How does a team that's being run so poorly with Rob Polinka and the and and Jeannie Bus be able to attract talent like LeBron James? Well, because the ownership stays out of the way. Right? They stay out of the way. You don't see Jeannie Bus meddling in basketball activities. Yeah, did she did she hire Magic Johnson, a close friend of hers, and that kind of all blew up in in their face? Yeah, okay. But they ended up landing Anthony Davis, so everyone kind of forgot about that. So it kind of brings me to my kind of question that I'll post on Twitter when after I post this episode is that who do you think are the best and worst owners in sports? Not in each individual one. Just think of your top five. 
Think about it. There's a criteria. It could be however you want it to be. It could be based on team performance, history, longevity. It could be based on talent that's brought in. It could be based on money. I don't care. I want to hear from you. I want to know who you guys think the best and worst owners in sports. And remember, you might be we might be throwing another name into the uh, into this uh ownership group with the rumors of Bezos looking to get to buying an NFL team. I wish he would buy the Jets. <laughs> Fucking get the Woody and his brother all the Johnson and all the Johnson and Johnsons away from the Jets. This is a perfect opportunity. He'll probably end up buying the Seahawks, though, because, you know, he's out west in Seattle and, you know, the the late great Paul Allen passed away. That may be something that they would be willing to explore. But think about it. What are the qualities that you give to a great owner and what are the qualities that give you to a worse owner? And then we'll discuss that next week. Because I want to hear. Because I have I have my list, and I have my criteria, but I want to understand where everyone else is coming from. So let me know on Twitter, Instagram, however you want to get at me. Do so. Um, any disagreements or issues that you have with what what we spoke about, always hit us up. Especially when I had to come at it alone, wherever the hell my boy Ryan is. Jeez. But also let us know how we're doing. Get in touch with us. The more people that that contribute to the show, the more fun the show is. If you want to be a guest on the show, let us know. If you want you want a topic that you want us to discuss, you want to you want to call in on the show, let us know. We're here. Okay? Well, as always, thank you for listening to my long soliloquy. I appreciate the time that I've been able to take to talk to by myself to you without the interruptions of Ryan. <laughs> Greatly missed, though, I do have to say. It's a little weird. But at the end of the day, he could come out next week and give a different perspective, which is so great about this show. But for now, you all had to listen to me. Hope you wake up. To a great Wednesday here in my lovely, lovely voice. Shout out to Bane and Tom Hardy. But as always, this is No Holding Back. And thank you for listening.